believe what we see and hear and help us to act on the Word of God. Lord, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow. Amen. Praise the Lord. We've got a great book here. It's an awesome book. It's got so much good stuff in it. It just makes me wonder how I could have read all this stuff all these years and didn't believe none of it. that right, Brother Dean? We sure didn't believe much of it, do we? We do now. We're getting where we believe more and more all the time. Oh, well, we're going to start off in 1 Corinthians 6.19. That is a good verse. We talked about that Sunday also, but I'm going to tell you 1 Corinthians 6.19, when Paul says, What? What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? So, you really don't belong to you. You belong to the Lord. So you need to remind him. Anytime something happens to you, the enemy comes to you, say, Lord, this is a good body. Yeah, I, I, I'm just a caretaker of this thing, you know, but I'm going to speak your words and your words are going to make this body stay well and good and strong, right? Yep, and still the negative stuff. Heavenly Father, through your word, you have imparted your life to me. And this is the way we ought to pray. There's things you ought to say. In other words, instead of saying all the negative things that we say when we start, I mean, I don't even know, even when people are young, they say negative things. But when they start getting older, you know, I can remember when my dad was ancient. I mean, he was so old. He was sitting there one night, he'd come in from work, and... I was walking in, and I looked. I said, Dad, something wrong with you? He said, yeah, son. He said, I kind of sprang my back a little bit, moving them heavy parts on them bulldozers today. And he said, I'm just laid out here. He said, I'm in really quite a bit of pain. I'm having trouble getting around. I said, well, what can you do about it, Dad? <clears throat> he said, oh, I just took an Anderson. He said, there ain't nothing you can do when you get old as me. You know how old he was? Fifty. Fifty. <laughs> Fifty. But see, he saw himself as getting to be an old man at 50. And he, that's the way he saw himself. And so, but he, he, was still a, he still was a real worker. And he could do great things, but he began to see himself at 50 being old. Well, let me tell you, that's not what we need to confess. You know, I'm telling you, this is what we should pray. Heavenly Father, through your word, you have imparted your life to me. You have imparted your life to me. Did he say that we're not our own? We're bought with a price? Christ in us, the hope of glory. So he has imparted his life to me. That life of his restores my body with every breath I breathe and every word I speak. If you go around saying all the time, I am so broke, I just can't make it to a payday. I ain't never, I mean, there's nothing I can do. I will never have anything in life. I just know, you know, that this is the way it's planned for me to be, to be poor forever. See, that doesn't line up with Scripture. 
the Lord says, if you're his child, he said, let the poor say, I am rich. Did he not? Why do you think he told us to say all those things? Why do you think he told us to speak all these positive things? What? Sure, it will manifest. Who will make it manifest? God will. Absolutely right. So if you go through life thinking that $100 is a lot of money, that's your limitations. $100. If you go through life thinking $1,000 is a lot of money, that'll be a lot of money. But if you just see money as a means to do great things, like I was just talking to this couple over here, these folks over here a while ago, I said, you know, when I used to work as an engineer for a few hundred dollars a week, you know, I thought I had a good job. I never dreamed that I would retire and then get into a ministry that it takes 10000 a week just to keep it afloat. 10000 a week. We have to have that every week to keep us afloat. In fact, yesterday I got a check in the mail for three, from Citigroup for $384 or $387. And I thought, what is this? I think I got it Friday night, and I tried to call. I said, what is this? This is a dividend back on my, you know, credit card or something? What is this? So there was nobody there. They said they only are there from 8 till 5 Central Daylight Time, Monday through Friday. So this morning, about 8 o'clock, 8.15, I give them a call. And I says, uh, what is this check? She said, you have an account number on it? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, oh, that's a dividend check. I said, wow, a dividend check, nearly $400? She said, yeah. She said, you have stock in our company. I said, how did I get it? She said, you don't know you have stock in our company? I said, no, ma'am. She said, you know how many shares you have? She said, what's your name? And I give it to her. She said, you know how many shares you have? I said, no, ma'am. She said, you have 791. I said, wow, what are they worth? She said, about 50 bucks a share. That's only $40,000 worth. I said, how did I get it? She said, I don't know. All I know is your name's on it, the Living Savior Ministries. And did you know I found out a man gave us that stock? A man gave us that stock. And I didn't even know I had it. And so then she says, you have to have a certificate somewhere that says, I said, you know, a certificate. I did remember seeing a stock certificate come through said, you know, a, a, a document needs to be put in a safe and all that stuff. And I opened it and I thought, junk mail. I said, I don't have no stock in this company. I thought, you know how people send you junk out? I really thought I'd throw it away. I said, I really have this stock? She said, oh, yeah. I said, man, if I've lost that certificate, can I get another? And she said, yeah, for $800. So I said, Lord, you've got to help me. So I called in my mate. I said, you help me go through this stack of papers? In just a few minutes, she found it. She said, here it is. She said, I just saved you $800. I said, that's worth at least three kisses. <laughs> now, isn't it amazing how God takes care of you? Just think, a, a man donated to the Living Savior Ministries a $40,000 worth of stock, and I got a dividend check for 400 bucks. I didn't even know it. Is God good? He's absolutely good. 
You know, back when I was working for a living, nobody ever gave me $40,000. I'll say that. But you know why God gives me that money now? He knows he can trust me with it. He knows I'm not going to waste it. He knows I'm going to use it for his glory. And so, that's what we should learn to say. Yes, a question. Can you Yes, Heavenly Father, through your word, you have imparted your life to me. That life restores my body with every breath. I breathe, and every word I speak. Now, the word part of it is the most important part. That's the most important part. Your words. I'm going to tell you, as I've read this Bible and studied it in such great detail, and of course not near what I should have, but I'm now learning that my words is what makes everything work. Everything. And if you don't learn to talk, you'll never be an overcomer. You have to learn to master your words. And if you do, then you can have this great life. Now then, in John 6.63, we're going to hit a lot of scriptures tonight. I put a lot of scriptures in this outline today. A lot of them. But John 6.63, it said, It is the Spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profits Nothing. Now let me ask you a question before I read the rest of that verse. If the flesh profits nothing and the spirit is what makes everything work, then why do we spend so much time trying to take care of this flesh and so little time taking care of the spirit? I think we've got our Our priorities or our wires crossed here. I mean, we take time with this flesh. I mean, if this flesh, I mean, even when there's nothing wrong with it, you know, we, we really try to feed it the right things, which is good. You know, we are supposed to exercise it, you know, which we don't do that very well, most of us. Then we spend a lot of time, especially now you ladies, y'all spend a lot of time, you know, looking at the mirror, you know, you know, doing different things. And I'll have to say, I'll have to say, y'all do improve yourselves looking in the mirror. You, you agree with that, Brother David? Yeah, yeah, now you, it was just time well spent, isn't it? Yeah, these girls look a whole lot better, you know, whenever they go spend a little time in the mirror. Some of you do and some of you don't, but praise God. But I think about what we spend, the time we spend on this body. Really. And it's, the Word of God says it profits nothing. You know, you know we, we try to have a nice house for this body to live in. You know, and, if we, if, and this is the way most Americans are. If they've got a job that pays them $50,000 a year, they try to buy a house you know, that, costs it, that the payments on it cost about a third to a half of that. You know. And then if they get a house, if they get a $100,000 a year job or a $200,000 a year job, instead of paying off the house they got and being happy, they got to sell it and go buy a bigger one. I mean, you know, I mean, there's only two people. 
you know. And we got to have, uh, in fact, we spent time in one of the biggest houses I've ever been in my life that belonged to an individual. We went up north here a while back, and the man that demanded that we stay in his home, we knew him, and we said, okay. We, we, he had a beautiful home when we was there last time, but he said, you, that house you helped me pray in? He said, well, I got it, and it's finished, and it's six months old, so you and your wife have got to come stay with us. I said, okay, because he had a beautiful one before. I can only imagine what the new one's going to be. And then I called him back later and said, oh, we're going to bring Christy. You know, and we're going to bring Ty and Cheryl, so that's three more people, so we probably just have to stay in a hotel. He said, no, 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 no. I got plenty of bedrooms for everybody. I thought, what? He said, plenty. Well, when we got up there, his house is only about 9,500 square feet, three floors, and eight bedrooms. Why does anybody need a house that big? Isn't that something? Isn't it amazing what we spend money for? Wow. But he's using it for the glory of God. But the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, what? The words, the words that Jesus speaks out of this book. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. These words in this Bible is what makes you well, or the lack of speaking these words is what makes you sick. If you speak the Word of God and you do the Word of God, you can overcome all sickness and disease. You can do it. You can overcome everything in life. There's not anything that these words out of this book, if you'll read it and do what it says, it will change your life. But you've got to believe it and do what it says. And unfortunately, when I used to read it, I did, I'd read it, but I didn't realize it was that important. Because just like these words, it says here, it is the spirit that quickens, the flesh profits nothing, the words that I speak unto you. Now then, what words does Jesus speak to us? Every word in that book that we read comes from Jesus. Every word. And every word is powerful. And it's there to make you strong and prosperous and healthy and successful. It's all there. Take this scripture right here. I technically don't know anybody that walks in this scripture very often. Once in a while, I have a privilege to walk in this verse. Once in a while, my faith is up there, and I'll just do something, and I'll use this verse, and I get to see God do some great, awesome, awesome things with this verse. But I want you to think about this verse. Most people don't believe this verse. It's just so powerful. And it's one I use quite regular. But listen to this in Mark eleven twenty three. Think what Mark eleven twenty three says. For truly, or verily, truly I say unto you. Now this is Jesus speaking directly to you and me. Just like you did that air conditioner deal the other day. And it worked, didn't it? Praise God it worked, yes. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever... And you and me is a whosoever, aren't we, brother? Absolutely. That whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart. Shall not doubt. But shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. 
That's almost too good to be true, isn't it, Deborah? But it's there, and the king is the one said it, right? So when we get to where we believe that, if there's anything wrong with your body, what should you be doing? You should be speaking to your body. You should be telling your body what to do. You know, if you have, if there was, if you want a new type of job, you know, if you say, in other words, I think about whenever years ago when I was still working as an engineer, when our company sold, the company that bought us, they were going to close the engineering division. And so that meant I wasn't going to have a job. And they did close it. So they said they didn't need an engineering division. I thought, well, I've been doing this for a long time. And to do what I've done, I traveled around all over the United States and even sometimes several places in the world with buildings and equipment and things like that. I thought, you know, I really need an easier job. You know, I need something that's kind of tame. And so I need to be the city engineer over the DFW airport area for this company, which they only owned about three or four buildings and only had about 150, 200 vehicles. So that's a piece of cake. I've been taking care of 30 or 40 buildings and 2,000 vehicles and a whole bunch of buildings. You know, so I thought, hey, this would be a piece of cake. So with a scripture like Mark 11:23. What can you do? I mean, they're going to, I'm, I'm going to be out of a job, and I forget, September, I think it was, about three or four or five months from now, when they were going to transfer everything out. They were going to close where I work, and I was going to have no job. So, I just went up on the roof of the building, took that scripture, Mark eleven twenty three, and I looked over at that building, and I said, Lord, I don't know who the head engineer is over there, but I ask you to bless him with a better job. And I'm going to have his job. Now, thank you, Lord. Now, Lord, I ask you to displace him with a better job. You know, give him exactly what he needs, something that he'll be happy with. But I'm going to be the head engineer in that facility over all these plants for these people. And I'm going to sit right here until I retire, and I'm going to have a great time, and I'm not going to have to travel no more. I said, thank you, Lord. Mark 11, 23, you made me that promise. Did he? I walked downstairs, and it wasn't long, maybe that day or another day or two, somebody says... uh, Thurman, what are you going to do when they close the engineering division? I said, I'm going to be the head guy over there. (laughs) Oh, you've got confirmation on that. I said, no. I hadn't talked to nobody. But I said, I worked for the king. You know, people think you're kind of nuts, you know, when you work for the king. When you stand on the word. I said, Lord, thank you. So for the next three or four months, whatever it was, I was waiting for the engineering division or the company to close down. And go totally over to this other company. I still did what I normally did. But every time somebody asked me, what are you going to do when they close the engineering division? I said, I'm going to be the head engineer over there. Have you talked to him? Nope. I've only talked to the king. I've told the king. Well, about a week from the time that the transfer went place, they said, have you ever talked to anybody yet? I said, no, not yet. So I guess I better go over there and see them. So I walked across the street, walked in. I said, who's the VP here? And they said, it's Pepe Pinto. He's upstairs. I said, I need to go up and talk to him. They said, let's see if he's busy. I said, he won't be. (laughs) So they called and and they said, who are you? I said, I'm the head engineer across the street and I need to talk to him. And he said, well, okay. So I went up there and he said, "Uh, what can I do for you? I said, well, I thought I'd come over here and introduce myself. I said, "Uh, I'm going to be your new head engineer over here. He said, how did you know that? I said, because I work for the Lord and he told me. He said, you know, you are exactly perfect. 
I said, what do you mean? He said, my head engineer came in this morning and told me in one week he's going to Miami, Florida. He's going to be leaving me and going to work for another one of our divisions in Miami next Monday, a week from today. He just told me a while ago. He said, man, you'll be perfect for me. I said, great. So I went downstairs and worked with him for a week, led the guy to Jesus that week. (laughs) Isn't it amazing what you can do? So you've got to have faith that what you say... I mean, but Jesus said that, didn't He? You know what people do? Oh, they're going to close the engineering division. What am I going to do? I ain't going to have a job. Those old mean people. No, you don't work for them old mean people. I mean, if you're a daughter or son of the king, you don't, do you? You work for Jesus. So, if Jesus said we can have whatever we say, why don't you start saying what you want? I mean, is that true? So, you know. In other words, think about this statement. After thinking about Mark eleven twenty three, think about this. That which God has not planted is dissolved and rooted out of my body in Jesus' name. In other words, that which God has not planted. If God didn't put it in my body, then where did it come from? The enemy. In other words, that which God has not planted is dissolved and rooted out of my body in Jesus' name. You're going to have to learn to believe this word and take authority over it. 1 Peter 2.24 says, is engrafted, is engrafted into every fiber of my being and I am alive with the life of God. He's in me. By his stripes, I was healed. Is that what he said in 1 Peter 2.24? I should die to sin and live unto righteousness. And by his stripes, I was already healed 2,000 years ago. So if I was, I am. So I need to confess that. So if we confess the word, I can guarantee you it will bring forth tremendous great results. I mean, you know, why should we fear, just like... I was talking to somebody just this week, and I don't have this scripture here, but I want you to turn and look at this scripture. I want you to turn and look at Colossians 3.23. And I want you to tell me what Colossians 3.23 says in your Bible. How do you read that? I got a hold of this years ago. A man in my Sunday school class one day, I said, what's your favorite scripture? He said, Colossians 3.23. I said, what does that say? He quoted it, and I thought about that, and I thought, whoa, that is an awesome verse. Colossians 3.23. What does that say? What does it say, Brother David? Well, mine says, whatever you do, do from the heart, as for the Lord and not for others. Oh, whatever you do, do it from the heart or work at it with all your heart. Let me paraphrase it for you a little better or a little different even than he said. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as unto God and not unto man. Because God is going to be the one that's going to give you your final reward. How would you like to stand before the king one day and you said, Hi, I'm Thurman Scribner. He said, Oh, you're the one that didn't do hardly anything for me while you were on earth. 
I gave you a perfectly healthy body, and you didn't win anybody to me. You didn't go out and heal nobody that was sick. You didn't tell nobody about Jesus. You didn't cast out no devils. You really didn't do a whole lot of nothing for me. You didn't even cook a cake for somebody. You didn't go to the hospital and visit people that were sick. I mean, you didn't even take them a cold, cup of cold water. Whenever somebody needed you, tell them, go get it yourself. said, you were really not very loving and kind. And you say you're one of my disciples. How would you like to stand before the king like that one day? And he pointed his finger right straight in your face and say, everything you did, you did for yourself. You didn't do nothing for me. Woo! How would you like to have that? I don't, do you? No. I want the king to say one day, well done, faithful servant. Come over here into the joy that I prepared for you for all these years. Come in. Well done. But I guarantee you'll have to learn how to talk. You'll have to learn how to talk. If you learn how to speak the word, man, it'll change the way you do business, won't it? Yes, it will. It will. Then John 6.63, listen to this one more time. It is the spirit that quickens. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. You've got to get a hold of this. It's the Word of God that brings forth great results. The Spirit, the words that out of this book are of the Spirit, and they are life and they are health, but the, the flesh profits nothing. But I tell you for sure, as a rule, as a rule, we get it turned around backwards, and we spend all this time and effort on the flesh and not very much on the Spirit. You know, I mean, I, I can think of lots of people, of course, on the manly side of this. I don't know the relation with the ladies, but on the manly side of this, I know lots of men that, I mean, when it comes time for dove season, quail season, deer season, or whatever season it is for hunting, I mean, they're gone. I mean, they got their motor home, or they got their camping trailer, or they got their Jeep. You know, they got their toys, and these toys ain't cheap. And they take these toys to the hunting place, and they go down there, and some of them are gone a week or two weeks, and sometimes a week at a time, and sometimes three or four times a year. Like this one woman here a while back I was talking to, and her husband was sitting there watching football. I'm trying to talk to him. I said, you asked me a question. Just a minute, he said, Thurman. And he had to watch a couple of plays. And, oh, he said, now, well, oh, we got a little law right here. Okay, now. And I said, man, you're hard to talk to when there's football around. You know what his wife said to me, Shelly? She said, during football season, if I were to die, he wouldn't even know I'd die until after football season was over. <laughs> I mean, that's what she told me. <clears throat> I mean, what do you think she felt like during football season? I'm a nobody. He don't even know I'm here. And I thought, wow, now here it is. The flesh, this guy is feeding his flesh. You know, because that's what makes his flesh feel good. But if you say, hey, how about the Word? I ain't got no time for the Word. You know, during football season, I mean, forget the Word. But the Lord says there in John 6, 63, the spirit, it is the Spirit that quickens. The flesh profits nothing. 
Why do we spend so much time with this beast? If it profits nothing. Yeah. Just think, Jesus bore the curse for me. Oh, was we got a phone? Huh? You can turn it off or something? It says, Jesus bore the curse for me, therefore I forbid. Now think about this. I see people all the time that come to me and say, I know I'm under a curse. I said, okay, if you're under a curse, let's get rid of it. I mean, actually it's already been gotten rid of. Because, see, it took me almost a lifetime to realize that when Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. I used to wonder, what does he mean by that? Well, I'm telling you, he meant what he said. Everything is done and everything is paid for. And he has given to us, the church, everything that was available to him while he was here on this earth. Everything was given to us when he said it's finished. He bore our sin. He bore our sickness, removed our disease. He conquered the devil for us, gave us power over the beast and everything. Now then, when the devil comes to you and tries to make you sick or afflict you or do anything else, and it's not just sickness and disease, the devil comes to us. Oh, I mean, he comes to you many ways. He works on your mind. Oh, does he work on your mind. Oh, that new dress down at the store. Honey, you got to see this new dress. It's the most awesome dress. You weren't even thinking about a dress. You got clothes from here to here. And then maybe from here to here. I don't know. And you certainly didn't need a new dress. You know. And then, you know, you girls, I know how y'all are. They see this and the devil keeps working. Oh, don't you know you would look so beautiful in that? And look at it, it's on sale. It's normally $4.99, and it's on sale today for $3.99. Unless you're one of those real high-powered stores where it's $19.99, and it's on sale for $1,200. I just got to have that. Only $1,200. Honey, I saved you $700 today. <laughs> That's the way my honey buddy, every time she goes to get something for the house, she says, I said, you will never guess how much money I saved you today. I said, I'm not interested in how much you save me. I want to know what you cost me. <laughs> That's just the way it is. I mean, they never tell you how much they spent. They only tell you how much they saved. You know, so it sounds better, doesn't it? But look, it's already paid for. If Jesus bore the curse for me, which... Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14 and 15, it says Christ has redeemed us from the curse by becoming a curse for us. For it is written. It is written. It's already done. It's written. He bore the curse for you. You know what you've got to do to get rid of that curse? All you have to do is declare that verse in faith and say, Lord, if you already paid the price, you redeem me from the curse, then I'm free. I'm not under no kind of curse. There ain't no curse can hold on me. None. No generational curse, no word curse, no inheritance curse, no curse of no kind can attach itself to me because it is written in the Word of God, Jesus Christ has redeemed me from the curse, so I am not under a curse. Now then, every demon of hell that goes with that curse I've had in my body all these years, you beast are out, and I'm free in the name of Jesus. And if you do it in faith, they got to go. 
You know, how many times have I told people that they were free from the curse and they would be afflicted with all kinds of problems? And maybe their children, two or three out of the, maybe they got three or four or five children and maybe one or two or three of them would be afflicted with some kind of curse, couldn't eat something or allergies or sinuses or whatever. And I said, all you got to do is repent of every sin. Claim these promises and then drive the devil out. And I said, it's all so simple. And I said, he has to go away. When you do it in faith, he has to go away. Because Jesus can't lie to us. You know, he's the one that makes it happen. But when you start speaking the word, he has to go. Now it says, if Jesus bore the curse for me, therefore I forbid growth and tumors to inhabit my body. I mean, they're out there. The devil's out there putting, but I'm not going to let the beast put one on me. You know, the life of God within me, is he in me and you? So the life of God in me, the power of the Holy Spirit and life in me, I command that to dissolve gross and tumors and my strength and health is restored in the name of Jesus. You know, if you really believe that, when you really can get to where you can believe that, it's amazing what you can do with the Word, isn't it, brother? It's amazing what you can do with the Word. Well, God didn't give us any limits. So when we go around confessing the wrong things, then we know we don't know or don't believe the Word of God. Because Jesus, it's quite simple. He made the promises. Listen to Matthew sixteen nineteen. I mean, I, I have been in Bible study classes where people, I'd read that verse and i say, somebody tell me what that means. And I've been in Bible study classes with adults. Some of them even had, I've even had them PhDs. In my Bible study class, they could not explain this Matthew 16. They don't know what it means. Well, let's, let's read it. Matthew sixteen nineteen. Listen to this powerful verse. Jesus is speaking, and he said, I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. He's going to give us the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And then he says, in other words, and whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. That is so powerful. That is so powerful. Binding and loosing is the keys of the kingdom. Deborah, I go out today and I buy you a new Lexus and I hand you the key. What are you going to do? You're going to bind onto that key or you're going to loose it? You're going to be like me with that stock? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's something to think. Here I had, I had all this stock given to the, comp- to the ministry. And I almost threw that thing in the trash because I, I couldn't believe somebody would bless us with this. So I thought it was a bogus deal. You know, you get these crazy things. I mean, I get these checks all the time in the mail. Usually they're not very big. Six, eight, ten, fifteen dollars. And it says this is a real check. And then you read the real fine print down at the bottom. It says, and you take it to the bank and they'll give you fifteen dollars or six dollars or whatever it is. And say, upon depositing this, 
you have opened an account with us and we will start sending you this or this every month and we're going to charge your MasterCard or charge card or whatever $10 or $15 or $20 a month. And if you don't read that fine print, they take you to the cleaners. So, you know, I mean, I get so much of that kind of stuff. I thought, somebody give me 791 or whatever. I even forgot how many it was now. I think it's 791 shares of stock worth $50 a share. You know, I thought, this is junk. But when I got the dividend check Friday night for $400, I realized that stock was real. Isn't that amazing? So you see, I almost said the wrong thing, almost did the wrong thing. But see, I'm not walking in faith, am I? You know, you know what I ought to be saying? Lord, I want to thank you for next time. Not, somebody's not going to give us $40,000 worth of stock. They're going to give us a million dollars worth of stock. Lord, thank you for that million dollars. You know, I don't want to go around saying that to everybody because I, I'm not the one that asks for money. Never have been. But, you know, just think, that's enough money right there. If I had to cash that in, there's enough money right there to pay the whole ministry upkeep for four weeks. That would, that would, that would pay for all the media, all the help. The utilities, the radio shows, uh, television shows, everything for a month. And that's amazing, isn't it? But God, He can do anything. So it just never ceased to amaze me. You know? But when you stop and think about having to pay all those radio bills every month and all that television stuff and all this media and everything, it just, when you break it up, any way you break it up, it comes out to about 10000 a week. And I never dreamed, you know. That's just like one day I was listening to Joyce Myers. And she was talking about how the Lord brought her from a secretary in a church to a little Bible teacher. And, you know, she said, I, I was driving down the street looking at this new church we just worked so diligently for. And I said, Lord, I'm going to retire right here and I'm going to be his secretary forever. And the Lord spoke to her and he said, Joyce, I'm finished with you here. She said, I rebuke you, devil. You know. She said, I ain't through here. I mean, I'm not through here. I'm just getting started here. And so she said, it took the Lord nearly a year to break me. I said, everything went wrong. I was miserable. I couldn't do nothing right. One day I said, Lord, why is all these problems? He said, you didn't do what I told you to do. Well, Lord, he said, I told you a year ago, I was through with you here. I told you to start a ladies' Bible class, and you haven't done it yet. Lord, I'm not a Bible teacher. He said, but you're going to be, because I'm going to make you one. And now that when I heard her that day over there tell this story, she was over at a little bitty church. It was a friend of hers, and he only had a little church, a couple hundred people. And, of course, the word got out that Joyce was going to be there, and that's why I was there, too. And I went there, but the place was packed. You know, you couldn't hardly get a seat. But anyway, she said, uh, I would have never dreamed what the Lord would do. She says, of course, it's been several years ago. She said, my airtime commercial television bills right now, just, just television, is running a little over $3 million a month. $3 million a month? She said, now, if the Lord had told me and said, Joyce, you're going to be on television and your bill's going to be $3 million a month, she said, I would have just died. Yeah. Just died. You know, because she couldn't go there. 
You know, I mean, here she is, a little church secretary working for a hundred bucks a week, you know, and your bill's going to be three million a month. Television? No, no, no. She said, I couldn't go there. Because, see, God has to bring us up step by step. But now then, there ain't nobody in the world that's ever watched a Christian television don't know Joyce Myers. You know, she's just, you know, common in the Christian world. Man, everybody knows her, just like Billy Graham almost. But when we get a hold of this Mark eleven twenty three, you will speak things like, you know, gross and tumors. If you have one come up on you or something goes wrong with your body, your hand, or you say, you have no right to my body. No right to my body. Who's your body belong to? The Lord. Absolutely. They are a thing of the past, for I am delivered from the authority of darkness. I am delivered from the authority of darkness. Did Jesus deliver us from darkness? Yes, He did. The minute you accept Him as Lord and Savior, He says in Colossians chapter 1, He says, I have delivered you from the kingdom of darkness and translated you into the kingdom of light. Colossians 1.13 so if we're delivered from darkness and translated into the kingdom of light, in the kingdom of light, He's given us the keys of the kingdom, and whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven, whatever we loose on earth is loose in heaven. And by knowing those things, you speak to the problem until the problem goes away. Now, sometimes it's not easy. I mean, I've been through those and fought those battles. Now, what we want, you, we are a lazy bunch. You know, if something goes wrong, just like that day when Cheryl had those little things popping up on her cheeks, and she doesn't like it. And so when those little things begin to pop up on her face, she called me and said, you pray for these and kick these things out of me in the name of Jesus. Well, I did. I prayed over the next day. There was some there still. And she called me and said, honey, you got to pray again. After about the third day, they're still there. And she says, you have sinned. Because all the time up to now, when I pray for her, she almost gets healed instantly. And I said, no, there's just more of them, and they keep coming, and the devil is trying his best. She said, I've seen these things. I've had some of my family that's had these things, and they turned into terrible things on their face. I said, but it ain't going to on yours. So we stayed with it for every day for almost three months, and finally the last one left. You don't never give up. Now, what if I had to give up at a month? And I said, it ain't working. Who knows what she might look like today? You never know what those little growths might have turned into. But you have to know you have dominion and authority over them in the name of Jesus. And this body you live in don't belong to you. It belongs to the king. It's his property. But he's made you the caretaker of this body. He told you to take care of it and present it to him a living sacrifice, didn't he, Donna? So that's your job. Again, that's just like Joyce Myers. I heard her here a while back. She said, I was praying to the Lord. And I said, Lord, how should I fix my hair? (laughs) You know what the king says? I don't care how you fix your hair, Joyce. He said, I I heard her say that that on one of her sets. She she said, I was just so, I said, present your body a living sacrifice. She said, Lord, I even want my hair to be perfect. How do you want me to fix it? He said, Joyce, I don't care how you fix it. You know, that's up to you. Just make it look nice. You know. Isn't that amazing? You know, that God would, you know. But did he, did he not say that? seemed like I read somewhere in there where he said, every hair on your head is numbered. Is that what he said? Now, that's beyond my, Donna, you've got a lot of them. 
Well, your husband David does too. I'd hate to think I had to count the hairs on y'all's head. Wouldn't you? But just think the king knows exactly how many you got right now. And that'll change today. One will fall out or a new one or two new ones will go back or whatever. You know, and it will change. But he knows. He he upgrades that, that database every few seconds for every one of us. Can you imagine that? It is beyond. Yeah. I mean, if you do, he, he, I mean, your database instantly changes. It's like a computer. I mean, that's beyond my comprehension. Isn't it yours? Yeah. He knows everything about this body. And that scripture we quoted a while ago, Colossians 1, 13, 14, it says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness, and He has translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Everything's been done. Everything's been taken care of. Colossians 1, 13 and 14. So, you've been redeemed from everything if you're a child of God. You don't have to put up with the nonsense. So then, if all that's true, then you can say every organ and every tissue of my body functions in the perfection that God created it to function. Do you think He created anything in your body not to work perfect? So why, when our bodies don't work perfect, why do we yield to the body instead of quoting the Word to it? Now, you need to speak to your body. You know, that's just like when Dave, Dave Rosenfeld, after he got healed, <clears throat> I guaranteed Dave, if he would do what I told him, the Word of God, he could get healed. And at first he didn't believe that because he'd been sick all of his life with an incurable disease. Well, after he got healed, when he started walking out in the sun and his skin started cracking, he said, Thurman, this is the first year I've ever been able to go out inside in the sun without a hat. And everything but said, my skin's beginning to get dry. I said, speak to it. Command your body. I said, say, body, in the name of Jesus. It is your job to produce a matter right amount of oils and everything so my body does not chap and it does not burn. Now, body, you've not been doing this. You've been sloughing off. So in the name of Jesus, and according to the Spirit of God, I take authority over you, body, and you will produce the oils that's necessary for my body where I can get out in that sun and it will not dry and be chapped. And guess what? He can go out there now in the sun and he don't chap. His face is oily just like it's supposed to. But he started speaking to it and commanding it to operate to the perfection that God had originally designed it. But his body had rebelled. You know, his body had rebelled because his body had demons in it. And those demons had been messing with it. Some of you know him and have heard his story. You know, you know what he looked like. You've seen it. And now you see him and know him today too. And his body is perfect. But when you realize that this book is true, and when the Lord said, it's finished, it's finished. I can only imagine, when I do get to heaven, even what I've learned from this book, I can only imagine when I get to heaven, the Lord says, Son, you learned about this much. Can you imagine that, Deborah? I mean, you just think, I don't care what you do today. If you were to go back five years, ten years, twenty years, fifty years, and you think, what I knew then versus what I know now. And what there is to learn today, Keith, it changes so fast we can't keep up with it, doesn't it? It doesn't matter what industry you're in. I mean, technology is changing at such a rapid rate. It's almost impossible to keep up with anything. That's why we have to constantly go to school. While we have seminars and everything else. But 
you have to speak to your body, and sometimes you have to speak to it real regular. Because if you hadn't figured it out yet, this thing is a lazy beast. It wants to do what it wants to do. And it knows how to rebel. Guarantee it knows how to rebel. Now, every organ and tissue of my body must function in the perfection that God created it to function. I forbid any malfunction in my body in Jesus' name. You can do that to your body. I have done it many times to different parts of my body. And God, listen to what uh, uh, Genesis 1.28 says. Look what God said. The first, one of the first things he did in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. It says, and God blessed them. This is right after he made man and woman. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Now, I read that one time. I don't tell them how many times I read that. And one day I thought, wait a minute. That's got to be an error. Replenish. This thing's brand new. You don't replenish something unless it's been plenished before. I mean, is that true? So I went to the Hebrew and checked out that word. And it means exactly that. So let me tell you. Then you go back and read Genesis 1, 1, and Genesis 1, 2, and you find out in Genesis 1, 1, God made the earth and made it perfect. And there was a creation of people here for who knows how many years. And then they became totally evil and wicked. And there was no Savior sent. And so he destroyed the whole thing. Totally, completely. And then in verse 2, it says in The world was void and empty. And then he started over again. And he made a new man and a new woman. And told them to go out and multiply. I thought, Lord, if there was a creation here before, there will be somewhere else in this book that will explain this to me in greater detail. And through my studies, I have found two other places one in Isaiah and one in Jeremiah that says and talks about another creation. Jeremiah explains it in such detail, but Isaiah does too. That It's strange in the way some people will interpret what he says there. He says, then, the Lord turned the earth upside down, turned the sun off, And slung off all of the inhabitants. Isn't that amazing? That's written in the Bible. In Isaiah and Jeremiah. Oh no. I'm going to make it difficult for you. I'm going to whet your appetite. And you look. I had to spend thousands of hours finding all that. And it's. I will tell you. It's in the book of Isaiah. And it is in the book of Jeremiah. And I'll tell you this. The chapters are 4 and 24, but I won't tell you which book. So now then that'll isolate it down pretty good. Is that better? You want to do so much studying. Lord, I'm sorry. I should have, should have not let them. I should have made them study the whole book of Isaiah, Jeremiah, and five. But they're two pretty big books. But it's amazing 
how the Lord turned the sun off and, the, and Jeremiah, he's the one that said, and I saw the earth and it was empty and void. Now then, we saw that in Genesis 1 too. It's amazing what's in this book when you really study it and read it, isn't it? It is amazing. But anyway, then in Genesis 1, 28, And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Everything that moves, we as children of God today have been given this dominion and power back. Everything belongs to us as children of God. When we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, that dominion and power over the fish, the sea, everything, the elements, belongs to us. That's just like Gloria, when she got a hold of these things, as I've taught these things, Gloria, she got a hold of those things. And I remember her saying one day that a great big old bee come into her room and said, used to, I would have been afraid of that beast. Oh, she said, now I realize I have dominion. She said, that thing was buzzing around up there, all around my ceiling and down and coming around me. And I just said, I looked, I said, in the name of Jesus, you either get out that door. You either get out that door or you die. In the, if you're going to stay in this room, you're going to die in the name of Jesus. Now, she spoke a curse over that bee. She said, I just sat down and started reading the Word again. In a few minutes, I didn't hear no buzzing or nothing. And I looked up and he was laying feet up inside the light up, up on top, dead. In just less than five minutes, he was dead. Do we have to be afraid of anything as children of God? No. Nothing. Nothing. You don't have to be afraid of nothing. But the Lord will put you to the test. He will put you to the test in some places. I'm telling you, he'll find out what you're made out of. I think about Ty the other day when he was under that house, when the Lord told him. He said, today, Ty, I'm going to put you to the test. Well, he didn't have a clue what God was going to do. If he, tell, he told him that. He said, the Lord told me that he was going to put me to the test. So he said, that day the plumbing stopped up in his kitchen. And he crawled under there. He's got a pier and beam house, so he crawled under to see what he needed to do. And he couldn't figure out with all them pipes what he needed to do, so he called a Baptist preacher, a friend of his that used to be a preacher, and he's now a plumber. So he come over, and he was going to crawl under there with him, and they were going to cut this pipe so they could run a snake through there to clean this thing out. He said, well, they were under there with a saw. He hit the floor under there, and some of the insulation came loose, and it fell right in his mouth and his nose. And he said, I took a deep breath, and it sucked it right into my mouth, and said, instantly, of course, he's a doctor, see. Instantly, he said, I felt my trach, my throat, beginning to close. He said, I told the guy, he saw me swallow it. He said, Ty, I've got to go with some help. He said, no, just pray, pray. He said, Ty, I've got to get some help. He said, pray. He wouldn't let him go. And Ty began to get weaker, and his throat closed up. And he said, Lord, he said, As I'm getting down to the point now where I can't talk. I can't say a word. And he said, oh, but I said in my spirit, Lord, I trust you even with my life. And he closed his eyes and passed out. And who knows how many seconds it was later, 
he woke up and the Lord says, you passed your test. <laughs> what if he hadn't have trusted him? Ty would have died that day. He would have strangled to death right there. What a test. What a test. People say, I don't believe God would ever do something like that. Oh, let me tell you. He will definitely try you and test you. He will see what you're made out of. So, just realize, some of these tremendous trials and tests. Did you know, I'll tell you something, and I I hate to say it like this, but without a great trial, you can't have a great testimony. The greater becomes the trials and tests, the greater can be your testimonies. Some of them you won't like. No, some of them you won't like. But with these great and awesome tests, if you overcome these great and awesome tests, you can come through with a great and awesome testimony. That's right. Every time, every time you climb one of those mountains, and when you pass that top and you think, man, I'm on the way down. It's usually not very far down until you hit the valley. And when you look up, that one's twice as tall as the one was you just mastered. That's the whole life. I mean, that's, that's the way life's going to be. Just get used to it. You know, get used to it. You know, it's going to happen to all of us. If you start grumbling and complaining, you're going to go around the mountain 40 times, 40 years. You ain't never going to go nowhere. The children of Israel walked around that mountain grumbling and complaining for 40 years. And every one of them over 20 years died out there in the wilderness. None of them ever inherited his rest because they didn't mix faith with the Word of God. And they died in unbelief. And that's pretty scary. And Genesis 1.31 says, after he gave us this dominion in verse 28... It says, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good, and the evening and the morning were the sixth day. The evening was and the morning was the sixth day. And in six days he made all of creation, man and woman and everything here, and blessed it. If God blessed everything He did, the first thing He did when He got through making it, when He, if He blessed it, then what should you and I do regularly? We should bless things, bless people, bless our bodies. Like when we when we eat or drink, we should bless it in the name of Jesus. You know, speak a blessing upon everything you do every day. Get up speaking a blessing over what you're going to do today, but bless. Everything in the name of Jesus. Bless your body. You know, look at your body, your hand, whatever, anything. And if it's not perfect the way you want it, then you need to start speaking to it in faith according to the Word of God until it becomes like you want it. And you should never take no for an answer. Walk in love. Do what the Lord says. Speak to your body. Another thing. That's what this couple over here, I was talking earlier, and as we was talking about some of the things, I was telling them, you know, when you speak to your body, one of the things, like Paul clearly told us in the Word of God that he had to speak to his body. 
He said he had to beat his body to bring his body into subjection. Of course, when I got older, that scripture, you know, many a time when my body wants to do something, and like, of course, this is pretty easy around the ministry center to happen, you know, I may stop somewhere and eat something, you know, and I might eat a salad or something, but I'm, I'm comfortably full. You know, I don't need nothing else before I go to bed or nothing. But they go to the store and for Pastor T, they bring him back a piece of coconut pie, cream pie. And you walk in and say, oh, Pastor T, your favorite pie is in the refrigerator. I know this coconut cream pie. I have to reach over immediately as his hand reaches for the door and begin to beat it. I'm not hungry. But that, that beast wants that beast of a pie. He's laughing like back here like he knows what I'm talking about, huh? You know you don't need that piece of pie, right, Dean? But that this body, it's weak. It wants that. Now, how easy is it to reach up and get it? It's real easy. And then when you get through, you think, I over and die. <laughs> I, I didn't need that. But your body says, wasn't it good? You sure did. I like it. And your body will say, it's only going to put two pounds on you. You gotta to learn to talk. Okay, Lord, if I did mess up, then metabolism, you will speed up. In the name of Jesus. You will burn off all that excess weight, and Lord, I'll try my best to beat this thing more next time where I don't do that very often. And if you do, take, take authority over it. But the, the, the beast is tough. You know, it wants to sit down and watch television and drink soda pops and eat popcorn, you know. Not mean all kinds of stuff, you know. I mean, it don't want to do. You got to talk to it. You have to speak to it. Then the Lord says here. Let's see. Make sure where I left from. Yeah, Genesis one thirty one. Here is a word. Well, we got a bottle rolling around here, in the name of Jesus, Father. Your word has become a part of me. Now, did the Lord say in His word that if His words remain in you and you remain in Him, you could ask Him for anything you want, right? Okay, so, Father, Your word has become a part of me. Now, is it going to be easy for His word to become a part of you? No, you have to beat this thing. You have to beat it and get in the word and study it. Because, I, you know what happens when you sit down to study the word of God? Does anybody have this trouble besides me? I don't have it very often anymore, but I used to really have it. I mean, I could get up in the morning after eight hours of sleep and even have a cup of hot tea or something. You know, that's supposed to really keep you awake. And go in and take the Word and sit down in my chair and start reading it. In about five minutes, I'd find myself... You ever done that? Oh, you see what I mean? So you've got to slap this thing around. Wake up, you beast, in the name of Jesus. I am not going to let you go to sleep while I'm studying the Word. You will stay awake. You will enjoy what you're doing, and you will receive every word. It's engrafted. It's going to come in me. And I deny you, Satan, the privilege to take any of it out of me in the name of Jesus. I mean, this, this whole thing is a world of speaking. That's what it all revolves around. Talking, you have to do it. Father, your word has become a part of me. It is flowing in my bloodstream. His words. 
It's flowing in my bloodstream. It flows to every cell of my body. Every cell. Restoring and transforming my body. Your word has become flesh. For you and your word have healed me. Did the Lord say send his word and healed us? See, you take the word and it'll overcome. I think about that day I went down. There was a gentleman, a, a, a friend of mine that was a few years older than me. And he was having all kinds of problems with his heart and his blood pressure and all kinds of stuff. And so I heard in a little city about two hours from here. So he called me and told me he's in the hospital. And I said, well, I'll come down and see you this afternoon since you're such a good friend of mine. So I took the afternoon off and drove down there. And I walked in and they, they had just brought him out of ICU into a room. And he had, he had had, I think he had had uh, pneumonia. I believe that's what he had had. So they brought him in there and he was sitting up on the bed when I walked in. And I asked him, uh, Charlie, how are you doing? And he said, well, I'm doing better, Thurman. I'm doing better. And uh, the lady walked in checked his blood pressure. And she said, well, your blood pressure is 135. I no, that was the low number, 135. It's supposed to have been 70. You know, normally, what do we have, 120 over 80 or something like that? It's great blood pressure. Well, whatever the high number was, it was just way off the screen, and his low one was 135, and it's supposed to be 70. Well, I didn't know that at the time, so she said, Charlie, your blood pressure is extremely high. And I said, ma'am, what's it supposed to be? I said, what is it? She said, it's 135. I said, what should it be? She said, well, for his age to be perfect, it should be 70 if they're about, real close. I said, oh, okay. I said, in the name of Jesus, I command your blood pressure, every artery and vein in your body to open and to flow that blood. And I command the blood pressure in your body to be 70 in the name of Jesus. She said, ma'am, would you check my blood pressure again? She says, no, Charlie. He said, ma'am, it'll be different. She said, Charlie, I just checked it and it was 135. I said, ma'am, are you a Christian? She said, well, yes, I am. I said, you go to church? Yes, I do. I said, you ever seen God do a miracle? She said, a miracle? No. I said, well, you're going to see one today. She said, what do you mean? I said, check your blood pressure. Oh, she said, I just checked it. I said, that was before I commanded his body. She said, do you think what you did had an impact on it? I said, I know it did. I know it did. Charlie said, please, will you check it for me? Okay, Charlie. She said, okay. So she put the thing back around and pumped it up, and it started coming down. And it's, when it stopped on 72, big tears just began to gush out of her eyes and run off her cheek. I said, oh, you can't say you've never seen God do a miracle now. She said, sir, i never seen nothing like this. I said, what a shame. You don't believe the word. But you know, most people I know was just like I used to be. I didn't believe it either. Somebody says, you think you can speak to a body and make it change? Guarantee. You can do the same thing when you do it in faith. Somebody said, well, I've talked to my body a lot and it ain't ever helped it yet. You ain't never done it in faith yet. I said, what scripture do you use? Well, I don't know. I don't use one. That's your problem. That's your problem. You got the word hidden in your heart? Oh, yeah, I've got the whole Bible memorized. I memorized it when I went to school. Okay, well, quote me five of your favorite verses. 
Let's see, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world. What did it come after that? No, that won't get it done. You've got to know this book. You can't do these kind of things without knowing this book. So, Psalms 107, verse 20. Psalms 107, verse 20. Now then, if we believe that, if you've got something wrong with your flesh, if you believe this verse, you'll see what He sent to heal you. And you'll find out it's words. His Word. Psalms 107, verse 20 says, He sent His Word and healed them. And delivered them from their destruction. What did He send to heal people? The Word. You don't need nothing else but the Word. The Word can... can you can live in divine health with the Word. I mean, you can fix an air conditioner with the Word. He just told us a testimony last week about how he had worked for 30 minutes trying to screw a fitting into an air conditioner. Couldn't get it started. No way. He spoke to it and prayed over it and went back and he said instantly the fitting screwed right in and went right to the bottom. See, it's a, it's a shame you wasted that 30 minutes, right, brother? <laughs> but out of those kind of things, we learn to pray next time first, right? We learn to pray. I mean, you know, you can do anything if you believe it in the name of Jesus. I mean, you have no idea what I have accomplished over the years in the name of Jesus. And of course, somebody said, how do you do that? I said, simple, in the name of Jesus. We've been given this power. Then look at what Proverbs 13.3 says. This, we all need to heed the word. Proverbs thirteen three says, "He that despise, or he that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life. He that does what keeps his mouth keeps his life." What well, don't you think? If it means he that keepeth his mouth keeps his life, but he that opens wide his lips shall have destruction. So see, when you're saying things, you mean, you have no idea. Just like the other day, when I walked up to a lady in the church, I said, ma'am, how are you doing? She said, well, I'm not doing very well. Now, that's a wrong confession to start off for a Christian. My arthritis sure is bothering me this morning. My arthritis? After Jesus bore your sickness and removed your disease, and it's my arthritis, you want to keep that the rest of your life? Or you want to get rid of it? You're going to have to start speaking the Word. You're going to have to start speaking the Word. If you'll speak the Word and speak it in faith and walk in love, God will deliver you. I think about this little woman that I heard Benny Hinn talk about when he was going to the Catherine Kuhlman meetings. There was a little woman that was so gnarled with arthritis, her whole body was messed up. Her hands, her everything. He said she came to those meetings every time from Canada. Every time she had one of those, they came on a bus. And she'd come down and she was prayed for. And said she'd been there no telling how many times. She had sought God. She had repented of every sin. She had done everything she knew to do. And one day, when she was there, and Catherine Koopman prayed for her, this little woman was snap, crack, popple. Benny Hinn said, I saw that. 
said that woman was completely healed. And said when she got through, everything, every finger was straight, everything. But one little finger was still doubled up and, and crooked. Said when she got through, she jumped around praising God. And all of a sudden, she saw that little finger. She says, Lord, you forgot my little finger. And said, Miss Kuhlman, look, he's healed me, but he left my little finger. Miss Kuhlman said, yes, he told me to tell you he's going to leave that to remind you of the sin that brought it on so you make sure you don't ever do it again. He's going to leave that little crooked finger to remind you of the sin where you lived. What brought this on? So when you look at that finger, you'll always remember, do I want my whole body like this again? You better not sin. And that's something. He left her something to remember. Isn't that something? So you'll remember. Wow, you thank God. Wow. What we, where we must live. Wow, all of us. I'm so grateful that the Lord is gracious and merciful. If we didn't have grace and God wasn't gracious, I mean, Gina, me and you wouldn't be here, would we, girl? No, no, we know we wouldn't. You know? But there ain't nobody in here could say anything less. You know, if you're here today, if, when somebody says, well, I don't know how good God's grace is. If you're alive, I'm telling you, His grace is great. It's great. If you're alive, still able to walk on two legs, it's great. Then he says, after Proverbs 13.3, it says, this is what I'm saying, your word is manifest in my body. Causing anything wrong with my body to disappear, any kind of growth, any kind of arthritis, is a thing of the past. It cannot stay in my body. I make demand on my bones and joints to function properly in Jesus' name. That's the way we ought to be talking. I mean, you ought to talk like that when your body's normal. But you know when your body starts getting a little old? When I passed 55, I started getting pills in the mail saying, you need rest home insurance. (laughs) Have any of y'all ever got any of some of these things? Oh, you throw them in the trash too, do you, David? (laughs) 30% of all people over 55 will need a motorized wheelchair. I mean, but that's, that's, they're trying to build us up. They're trying to program us because if they can program you right, you know what you'll start saying? Well, I, I hope I don't need one of them things because you can't ever tell. You know, I passed 50 and now I'm at 55 and I know I can't quite do what I used to. In fact, my leg hurts when I try to step up on that step. That's that high one. I'm going to have to lower them steps to get up my house. You know, gosh, time I'm 60, I may not be able to get around. You hear anything wrong in any of that confession? All of it's wrong. And guess what happens to those kind of people? In fact, I'm going to tell you something back before I understood these principles. There was a good friend of mine, one of my best friends back at home. His daddy owned a lot of land. He was a big rancher and farmer. And he had a pickup wreck and broke his back. And he was in a wheelchair. You know, not a cast, but a big old brace thing. And he, the doctor told him he'd never walk again. So here's a super active individual that he's gone to a wheelchair. Well, 
What does he do now? He sits at home a whole lot and listens to the radio. Because he can't do what he used to do. And listening to the radio, he started finding out that there's some crazy guy called Oral Roberts. That goes around and preaches and people get healed. Well, he got to listen to more and more and more of these things. And finally one day he told his wife, said, you're going to take me to Tulsa or wherever it was, somewhere up in Oklahoma, where Oral Roberts is going to be. And when that guy prays me, I'm going to get healed. Now, was his confession right? Yeah. 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 Took him up there. And he was a deacon in our church at Goldswhite. Took him up there. He went to that crusade. And when he was taken up front and old Robert prayed for him, he got out of that wheelchair and he walked off. I mean, he came home walking. He walked into church that Sunday. And I thought, what happened to your dad? He said he can walk. He went to an old Roberts meeting. And somebody says, he went where? Well, he went up to Oklahoma and Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts prayed over him and he got healed. Oh, them deacon at Baptist said, Don't you know that Oral Roberts is of the devil? You know, that won't last. I mean, you'll be back in that wheelchair in nothing flat. You know how long it took him to get back in it? One week. In one week, he walked less than a week. When he left a place where faith was flowing like a river and come to a place where there was a dam there and it wasn't no faith in that church, never has been, never will be unless God moves on it. I ain't never seen nothing happen in that church and I was a member of it for years. In fact, my good friend's dad went back to that wheelchair and he never walked again and he died sitting in that wheelchair a few years later. Your words are powerful. Whether they're positive or negative, they're powerful. And I saw that happen, and I couldn't believe. You know, through the years, I thought, how did that happen? How could, how could he walk? And then he can't walk. Can a man's mind do that to him? You know, I didn't know. I didn't know it was the Word of God that was doing it, the power of God. But they sold it from him. Now, if he'd have stayed up there with those kind of people and that kind of faith, man, ain't no telling how long he'd lived and how healthy he'd have been. Isn't that amazing? Your words. Because one more time, let me read this verse to you. Now, you may get tired of hearing this verse, but I'm going to read it to you again. Mark eleven twenty three. Listen to what this says. It's Jesus talking. For truly I say unto you, that whosoever, you and me is a whosoever, shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and cast into the sea. And if you don't doubt in your heart, that mountain will obey you. Therefore, whatever you say with your mouth, If you believe it with your heart, you will have whatever you say. Powerful, isn't it? How does faith come? Hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the Word of God. What do we feed into ourselves? The world. We may get 30 minutes or an hour of church, the average Christian, and sometimes 5, 10, 20, 
30 hours of the world. Television. I know people that use the television as a babysitter for their kids. They will spend all day sitting in front of that tube. And they're learning what that tube is teaching them. And I don't care if you're watching cartoons. They're wrong. They're teaching you the occult. If your children are watching Disney, they are being fed the occult. I'm serious. It's from the devil. And I'm going to guarantee the devil's going to have your children. If you don't get in there and, and you don't turn that television off or put some good godly stuff on that television and you start reading your children the Word of God, I guarantee the devil will get them every time. He already has them when they're born. They already belong to him. Everybody belongs to the devil when you're born. You have to be delivered from the kingdom of darkness and translated into the kingdom of light. And then you have to learn to speak the Word over yourself. Have you ever stopped to think why? Some people are so, it appears to be born with a golden spoon in their mouth. But you ever go talk to one of those people? There's nothing negative comes out of their mouth. They see everything as an opportunity for improvement. Yeah. And when you see it like that, hey, just like Edison. Can you imagine you got this little heifer helping you? And we're going to make a light bulb. Weeks or months later, Mr. Edison... We've tried a thousand things, and not one of them has worked. There ain't nothing going to work. He said, oh yeah, son, we just know a thousand things that don't work. Actually, took him 2,000. Yep. And do what? Took him 2,000. Yeah. So they kept on and kept on and kept on. They finally hit one, didn't they? And because they finally hit it, look at all these wonderful lights we enjoy every day now. Isn't it wonderful to have lights? What if Edison had to give up? Well, somebody would have come along and figured it out, surely. But he didn't give up. But now, is that persistence? How many of you willing, even like you girls, say you're going to make a cake and the first one you make is a flop? You know what people say? I guess I'm never going to be able to make a cake. The first one I made was a flop. You know what you say? You start off saying, I'm going to make cakes. It's going to be beautiful and perfect. Mother taught me. I'm going to make beautiful cakes and every cake I make is going to be perfect and going to be delicious and going to be moist and it's going to just make you lick your lips when you see that beautiful cake that I'm going to make. It's going to be perfect. It ain't going to fall. Somebody says, but don't you jump on the floor in here. My cake will fall. I'm going to say, man, your confession is wrong. You need to stop talking and say, that cake's going to be puffed up and it's going to be beautiful. It ain't going to fall in the name of Jesus. See, what can you use the name of Jesus for? Everything, that's right. Anything he says. I mean, that makes, include making a cake, right? I'm telling you. We just don't, we have not used the Word of God as Christians to the fullness. We just kind of went meandering through life. These promises are awesome. Now then, in Matthew 17, 20. Matthew 17, 20, I want you to look at what the Lord says here. These men had be, just failed at something. Now, I think about Wendy this last week, Friday. Whenever that little lady, that grandmother called our prayer center and says, i got to have somebody pray. My little grandchild has just been attacked with a dog and been severely injured. Had really, I mean really chewed some parts of that little child up. 
really had attacked it, a little boy. And she called. And Wendy prayed. One of the girls told me the most beautiful prayer for everything in that little boy's body to be restored. She called them out. The blood vessels, the cells, and right before that grandmother, everything. And then she thanked the Lord for doing it. Well, today, that grandmother called back with a great praise report. We're going home today, and there's not even an indication of nothing left. The child will be perfect when we get out of here. Everything in his body is perfectly normal. We told Wendy that. Wendy says, all I can say, Pastor, it's got to be the anointing of God upon this ministry. Because she said, I don't know very much. But I said, all it takes is just a little bit. A mustard seed. But I said, since you saw that great and awesome answer to prayer, just remember, He's there, Wendy, so pray stronger next time for somebody else. See? I mean, when you start getting to... That little child was severely damaged. And today, it's going home with no damage. And all of its organs and everything are going to be there and they're going to work normal. There's going to be no problem. The doctor was amazed at the recovery. Why should we be? Well, we got the name of Jesus, right? But Wendy prayed in faith. And I will have to say, God has anointed our little ministry because everybody in our ministry that prays gets results. I mean, everybody. You know, I mean, Sharon Jones comes out. She's been out there since Gloria's been gone five or six weeks uh, down to on her to a sabbatical. Sharon's been out. She's been praying for people, seeing awesome results. But isn't that amazing? What, honey? A brain injury heal. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. We've just seen all kinds of wonderful things. And I love it. When I come in and, and the little gals are so excited. Pastor T, let me tell you what Jesus did for me. They're jumping up and down. I just love to work in a place like that, don't you? Sure I do. But they're learning the Word. They're believing the Word. And Jesus is showing up for them. I told them, I said, see, now when all these people call say, i got to talk to Thurman, you know that's not true. They can talk to you. And Jesus can heal them through you just like He does me. He don't need me. You know, He needs all of us. But you can do the same thing. When you pray in faith, it happens. Praise God. But look what happened here. When these boys couldn't get it done, and they asked the Lord, why? And Matthew seventeen twenty, Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief. Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if you have faith, there's that big word, if you have faith, as a grain of mustard, grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto the mountain, or whatever your problem is, you shall say, speak to that thing, whatever it is. Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible with Deborah. You need to learn to personalize the word, Right? When we learn to personalize the Word, the Word, when you speak it, you've got to speak it in faith, nothing wavering. You know, what if I'd, what if I'd have walked up on top of that building and said, Lord, I'm, I ask you to displace that man right there and take him out and put me in there. And I went downstairs and I said, thank you, Lord. And went downstairs somebody said, what are you going to do? He said, well, I, if the Lord comes through. Yes. If the Lord comes through, I might be able to work over there. You hear any faith in that? No, not at all. You know, the, almost immediately after I prayed that prayer, 
the Lord displaced that man's wife. She worked for American. He gave her a much better job, and she was transferred to Miami, Florida. Now then, he's here, and she's in Miami, Florida. And how many of you know that don't really work well to a married couple? So they were apart about three or four months, whatever it was, a few months. And whenever they, the whole operation down there changed, and they needed a, an engineer, they had never used one in that facility. But the guy that was the manager of that, he knew this guy up here, and he called him and said, we're going to change, we're going to start using a head engineer with people. He said, would you come down here and be my head engineer? He said, I'd love it. My wife's already down here, she's already bought a house down there. We'd planned to move down there someday, but they thought it'd be when they retired. He said, this would be perfect. So he moved right down there with his wife, and I moved right in. Isn't that amazing what you can do by faith? See? I mean, by faith. I mean, after all, the king's the one who made the promises. You know, if I was up here teaching you this stuff and I'm writing this book, we'd be in big trouble. But the king, he says, because of your unbelief. Well, don't go into unbelief. Stay in belief. Stay in faith. Don't get in unbelief. And so we can say this. Heavenly Father, as I give voice to your word. Heavenly Father, as I give voice to your word. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. And your life is energizing every cell of my body. Now, you know where that, you know where that, you know where you'll find that verse? Huh? Nobody knows where you can find it? Anybody tell me where this law of the spirit of life is found? Somebody? Where? Romans 8. Amen. There's a lady that's got it. Romans 8, 1 and 2. I mean, that's just like one day. One day I was over at the church and there was a bunch of young men there in their 20s. And I'm walking by shaking these young men's hand. Hey, boys, praise God. How are you guys doing? Shake my hand. I finally get up to this one guy there. And he says, come on, shake my hand. How are you doing this morning? He backed up. I said, what's wrong with you, son? I said, shake my hand. He said, oh, Mr. Scrivener, I've got a cold. And I've been sneezing and I hold my hand over my nose and I know I've got germs so I don't want you to get it. I said, I'm immune to colds. I said, there ain't no germ can attach himself to me because I don't live under the law of sin and death. I live under the law of the spirit of life. And there ain't no germ can do any damage to this body as long as I'm living under that law. I said, shake my hand, son. And I shook his hand and... Of course, it never did even affect me at all. But I knew it wasn't going to. Romans 8, 1 and 2. What does it say? Somebody read it. Did I tell you the truth? Let you all find it right quick and read it for yourself. Does it say something about the law of the Spirit of life? See? So where are you going to live? Under the law of the Spirit of life or under the law of sin and death? Hey. No, but you know, we read that the law of sin and death. How much clearer could it be? If you go around sinning, what's it going to bring? Yeah. Death. And so we don't, we don't, we go out and do what we want to do. Lies to, what, honey? Did you read that prayer again? Oh, the prayer is, uh, yeah. Heavenly Father, as I, as I give voice to your word, The law of the spirit of life 
in Christ makes me free from the law of sin and death. And your life, your life is energizing every cell of my body. Your life. Is He in you and me? So when you're speaking His Word, what is His, His Word that's in you? What is it doing to your body? If you're speaking His Word, it's energizing your flesh. It's making you strong and powerful. Where that you don't have to get old and weak and wore out. You know, I was thinking today, of course, I had boots on and everything else, and I was running across the pasture there. I thought, Lord, how awesome it is to be 67 years old and do what I can do in the name of Jesus. Don't get tired. Run, play, have so much fun. Amen. It's fun. You all know what I mean, right? Amen. Praise God. I mean, I don't want, I don't want, you know, I, there was, I run into two guys this morning. Both of them are at least seven or eight years younger than me. And you would not believe the negative words. Oh, Jack, I, I, my back sure is hurting me today. He said, yeah, I ain't doing too good either, but you, we're so old, you know. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, <laughs> if these boys only knew. If these guys only knew. I mean, you see what they're doing? The law of sin and death is driving them to an early grave. They're speaking it out of their mouth. Speaking a curse over their body. Hey, I command my body to be well. Command this thing to be strong in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Hey. What did the king tell us to do? He said in John 14, 13, anything you demand. You know, I thought, when I, when I first got a hold of that years ago, I'm reading, I said, God, I don't understand. I, I just, Lord, I can't walk up to you and say, Lord, I demand you do this for me. I just can't see that, Lord. But I'm, it says anything you can ask. I said, Lord, I see that ask, but I'm, I'm reading this in the Greek. This is where you get in trouble. You know, you read it in the Greek and you find out the word ask means demand. I said, Lord, why in the world would you make a statement like that? Anything I demand in the name of Jesus. I said, Lord, I, I could never walk up to you and demand you do something for me. He said, son, you don't have to demand. I finished it on the cross. I gave it all to you. I'm talking about you demanded away from the devil. He said, I've already given it to you. You demand in my name your rights. I thought, wow, I got it. I got it. In the name of Jesus. I demand that this body work like it's supposed to to be strong and young and vibrant. Can we demand it to be thin? Do what? Can we demand it to be thin? Amen. Amen. I speak to man. I guarantee. I, did you know that there was a guy who came to a class right here? It's been two or three years ago. And this guy weighed 400 pounds. And as he was talking, as he come up, he said, Thurman, I see you say we're supposed to present our bodies a living sacrifice. He said, I've tried all kinds of diets and I just can't lose weight. I said, okay, first thing we're going to do, we're going to learn how to talk. We're going to, you're, you're serious with God. You want to lose weight. He said, oh, I'd do, I, I'd do anything. I said, okay, then I want you to make him a promise that you'll keep on this thing, that you'll eat right, and you'll talk to your body. You'll speak to it. 
and you'll commend it for your metabolism to speed up, everything to work like it's supposed to, and for your body, you command those fat cells to dissipate and fall out of your body in the name of Jesus. I said, Lord, said, whatever you say with your mouth, you move your heart, you can have it. I said, they'll begin to demand it. I saw the guy three months later in another city where I was teaching, and he was from that city. It's about two and a half hour drive from here. I'd been asked to come to that little church, and he was down there. And when he came up, I said, whoa. He said, yeah, you know how much weight I've lost in three months? I said, no idea, but bunch. He said, I've lost 100 pounds in three months. 100 pounds in three months. Now, we asked the Lord, Lord, help him. He's serious. He wants to lose some of his weight. We ask you to increase his metabolism. Let everything work like it's supposed to. And then we speak to those pounds and command them to fall off in the name of Jesus. Then we command when you sit down that you get small portions of food and the parts you do put in your body will bless your body and it will be more than sufficient to take away all your hunger pains and you'll not have any hunger in the name of Jesus. What do you say you could say? Anything. He gives you no limits. And if it comes down to taking care of that body, does you think Jesus wants you to present your body a living sacrifice in good health? Sure, he's living in there. He wants this thing to be fit as a fiddle. You know, perfect. So speak to it in the name of Jesus. Now if you do, if you speak to it, your body will line up. Now it won't happen if you say it one time. You've got to be persistent. You know, very persistent. And if you do, it will change. One time won't do it. Now then, James 1, 21 makes this statement. James 1, 21. Wherefore, lay aside all filthiness and sufflerity of naughtiness. Now, you can only imagine in your own self what that might consist of. Lay aside all filthiness. And superfluity of naughtiness. Can you imagine what all that could entail? In fact, I'll tell you all something here. I just read, some of you all may have read this prophecy. There's a preacher that's really not a prophet. But God gave him some dreams. We don't have long to wait. He said in his dream, he saw it was out in the northeast in the Washington, Oregon. I forget he told what's Portland, Oregon. Portland, Oregon. And anyway, out there somewhere. And he saw that there was a tremendous problem that caused a huge dam somewhere to break. And water to come rushing down and it wiped away a big portion of the city of or somewhere in Oregon. He, he named it, but I forget which one it was. And he said, Lord, and he had this dream several times. He said, Lord, when is this going to happen? If this is going to be real, what is this dream you're showing me? And then the next time he dreamed it, he saw that there was a homosexual parade going on and it washed them all out and killed them all. So he called the city and said, do you have any homosexual parade scheduled for this city? They said, yes, on the, on the 7th and 8th of June of 06. It was what? 17th and 18th. 17th and 18th? 
Okay, well, I may be wrong. I thought it was the 8th. 7th and... Okay, it was either the 8th or the 18th. We'll look. Well, we will look again. We'll read that thing. I know it was in the month of June. I know for sure it was in the month of June. And I thought, well, one thing about it. We don't have long to wait. And by the end of June, if it don't happen, we know either somebody prayed and God was merciful and relented or it's going to happen. I think it was Portland, Oregon. Or Salem or some, somewhere out there. Somewhere out there in that. But anyway, we're going to, we'll find out. But it was sent to us. This guy said, I, I am not a prophet and I didn't want to do this. But he said, in one of the dreams, God told me. He said, if you do not warn my people, and this thing does come to pass, then I'm going to hold you accountable for their blood. Yeah, yeah, there was two angels that came there in the dream. Actually, they came in the dream, come to his front door, and told him that when the dream first started, the two men, he said they looked like normal men, two men came and said, you must get out of town quickly. He says, why? He said, you must get out of town quickly. He said, do I have time to get anything? He said, yes, you can get a few things. So he said, I started boxing up a few things. And so, some stuff I was bringing down, they would throw it away and say, that's not necessary. You want that. <laughs> and they would throw it away. And then he said, I realized before that was over, those two guys were angels. Just like the ones that came to warn Lot. You must get out of town immediately because we're going to destroy this city because of the perverseness that's in this city. And it did happen. Yes, ma'am. My older daughter is in. She's here now, but her and all my grandchildren, great-grandchildren live right here in Salem, Oregon. Okay. So please pray. Oh, well, we, we will pray. But the thing about it is, I don't remember the date that he gave, but if I lived in that city and there is going to be a homosexual parade that weekend, I guarantee I would not be in that city that weekend. Do you have an email address? Do you have an email address? Yes. Okay. Anybody that wants this, if you'll give Cheryl uh, your email address, we will forward this email to you. Especially if you have children or grandchildren living there. I mean, you know, we, we, we have to, when when God speaks to people... We have to take, you know, we've got to take care here because if there is, I mean, just like, just like in New Orleans, you know, a prophet 12 days before that place was wiped out said, God, has, he is fed up with it. He's going to destroy the city of New Orleans because of the perverseness and he's going to destroy it with water. You know, and nobody believed that. But 12 days later, and it was because of the perverse parade that was going to be that weekend. Well, the next weekend, they already had that scheduled, but they didn't ever get to have it. And then they were going to have it in Houston. And the weekend they was going to have it in Houston, look what hit Houston. Hey, I mean, finally we ought to get a picture of this. God is not happy with what we're doing. So you better make Him happy. But if you happen to live in a city that a prophet says something's going to happen, and you find out this is going to take place, this perverse parade is going to take place. You can guarantee I'm not going to be in that city that day. I'm not going to be there. So anybody wants this prophecy that this guy give us, just give us your email address, write it down on a piece of paper, and give it to us before you leave. 
and or you'll drop it in the box, drop it in the donation box. That when we take that out, we can get all of your. But print it real good now. You know, don't don't be sloppy because we want to make sure we get it. If you want it, we want to make sure you get it. So anyway, you got to remember here that uh, God does send prophets today to tell us these things, and so. Uh, we, we definitely pray that God will be merciful. We don't like to see anybody lose lives or property or nothing else. But you know, with the perverseness and the wickedness going on in America, we are already seeing this all over the place. I mean, everywhere we've seen destruction and devastation and billions of dollars worth of damage in the last couple of years. I mean, just billions everywhere it's happened. So it's obvious God is trying to get our attention. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you and praise you for your word. Help us, Lord, to walk holy in obedience to your word. Whereas we can walk and speak right, Lord, it will bring great power and authority. Your word, as we speak it, will bring health to our bodies. It will bring life to us and health. And it will bring prosperity. It will bring everything into our lives. And Father, I want to thank you and praise you for your word. I want to thank you, Lord, that I'm one of your sons. And, oh, Lord, I can't thank you enough that I have the privilege to be one of your sons and to be able to know what I know about your word so I can walk in the fullness of life that I'm able to walk in. But, Lord, I ask you to show this to everybody, that your children, that we can all do this and we can pass this to our children so we can learn how to talk. And I praise you and thank you for this evening. In Jesus' name, amen.